tourism, it was the, the only way out. Uh, so with the arrival of the big uh, tour operators from the UK, of course, we ended up having the problems that we have today. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is a tourism pioneer. It's somebody that I met actually 40 years ago when I came here the first time. And I remember I was invited to an event organized by the Cyprus Tourism Organization, which has now has a different name. But at the time, that's what it was called. He's also on the board of the Cyprus Travel Writers Association, and he is generally a man who has a lot of stories to tell. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, George Michaelidis. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to see you. We met recently at an event of the um, Cyprus Travel Enterprises Association, and I just thought that you are a perfect interview partner for my podcast because you really really go back a long time well okay um, if you if you are in the tourist business for more than 40 years and you had a very lively career full of colors and uh, and also problems of course you are you you have a lot to say and to tell and to remember of course Definitely. Let's start from the beginning. Do you remember, when were you on a plane for the first time? Oh, it's a very funny story. Because my my father, he, he was a doctor, and he, anyway, he never traveled by air. So in 65, uh, he took me to Germany to study there by, by, by ship, by boat. Okay. So we went by boat and then by train um, through Europe up to Munich. And then my first flight actually uh, was in uh, 1966. That's what it was. It was that Cyprus Airways? No, no. It was the a flight of in 1960, no, wrong, 65 in November, I think, of 1965, of the, the United Arab Airlines at that time from from Munich to to Athens and Cairo, of course. Oh, and I stopped. I stopped in Athens for um, for reasons for the university to for registration, but. Anyway, so this was my first flight. Wow. And then, of course, uh, all the, the rest of my life was full of flights. Living on a plane a lot or spending a lot of time on a plane. But yes. you grew up in Famagusta. Famagusta is the town that is now in the occupied area and which was at the time the biggest tourism town before 1974. Talk a little bit about Famagusta. How was it? Well, uh, you are talking to me now at the moment when I am writing a book about uh, tourism in Famagusta from 1900 to 1974. And I, it was a time that um, it went 
for, it was for the world tourism, a phenomenon at that time, because um, a place which was not known at all started emerging on the tourist map uh, simply because some progressive people and a municipality that really was very progressive um, decided to develop tourism. And it started actually sometime, uh, I, I would say it started already after 1960, but the real development was in 65, 66, when we had the new modern hotels uh, uh, directly on the beach, along the coast there. And um, soon the tour operators from um, uh, Scandinavia and then um, from uh, Germany, of course, and other countries followed, like uh, Switzerland, of course, and some other destinations, um, started looking for new destinations in alternative to Mallorca. And uh, they thought Cyprus was, um, and especially Famagusta, was an ideal place. Yeah. So we had a few hotels at that moment, in the 65, 66, hotels that really made Cyprus known abroad. It was the Constantia Hotel on the beach, the Florida Hotel, and then the Gratian Bay, the Gratian, no, the Gratian, it was not the Bay, the Bay was afterwards. Uh, the Trojan, um, Cipriana Hotels, uh, to, um, I mean, by 1974, there were 40, 40 uh, new hotels and another 42 hotel apartments which were uh, making uh, Famagusta a very, very cosmopolitan and um, successful tourism destination. And it attracted celebrities. There were quite a lot of famous people who used to come to Famagusta, visit Famagusta and visit the hotels, from what I know. Yes, you have to be very careful when you say that, because some of these stories are not true. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They were telling you, talking about uh, Brigitte Bardot. Brigitte Bardot never came to Cyprus. Okay. They were talking about uh, Elizabeth Taylor, but um, and Richard Burton, and uh, and this was not true. What was true, and I experienced it personally, was in 1960 when Paul Newman and Eva Marie Sands participated at the filming of the Otto Preminger's film Exodus. Mm-hmm. It was produced in Famagusta, and um, I remember I was at the school at that time, a schoolboy. Uh, we used to play volleyball with Paul Newman on the beach in front of the nautical club of Famagusta on the beach. And um, the other famous people who came, uh, who, who actually started their career, and they never forget it, are the Abbas, 
the Swedish group and uh, the whole thing with Abbas started when the, the three friends were on a holiday in Twiga Hotel Apartments on the beach of Famagusta, and they gave their first performance. They were, at that time, not even official sort of uh, group. They were making their performance uh, to the Swedish um, United Nations uh, people, troops, in the in, in Famagusta, and after that successful evening that they had, they decided to form the ABBA group and the tour operators was, I think, uh, Friedrich Trezor or Wingers, I don't know, Friedrich Trezor put their picture out, outside the brochure, the, the brochure of the company of, of the holiday maker uh, tour operator, the Abbas on the beach in Famagusta, actually in front of the Constantia Hotel. Wow. You know, my husband told me that recently and I didn't believe him, but now you have confirmed it. And I have also a story about um, about Exodus and the filming of, filming of Exodus because that happened when my husband was born in 1960. And Andreas Dufexis, my father-in-law, who you know, was um, filming the filming of Exodus instead of attending his son's yes. birth. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I remember. I remember him because he was really filming, and I have one photo of him together with my father somewhere in for the Rotary Club, and he is there. I think doing some photography or filming uh, at a function of the Rotary Club of Famagusta, uh, uh, planting trees in 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 Famagusta. Amazing, amazing story. So, I'm sure he he was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, um, where were you in '74? Were you in Famagusta? Oh, I was on my way to Famagusta. I was on my way. I was um, after my studies in in Germany. I went to study in in, in the UK in Surrey. Uh, I did uh, the tourism management degree. Anyway, I was, um, we finished uh, end of June because I took my car and I drove down to Germany to pick up my a few things that I had there and then to continue to Cyprus to join the army to do my military service. And so I, I was outside. So I went to, in Freiburg, I remember, I went to spend the night there. And the next morning I met someone on the street uh, who was, I knew from the university, and he said to me, listen, listen, they killed Macarius. I said, what happened? Why are you talking about this? He said, yes, yes, yes. So I... Of course, I went to the post office there at that time. Uh, I phoned my parents, and uh, my parents told me, told me things are bad. There is um, a coup against uh, Macarius, and uh, 
Uh, it's very dangerous. Stay where you are, and we will tell you what to do. <laughs> My God. It was very bad for me to go to Cyprus to yeah. join the army in this situation. Yeah, not a good time. But it must have been very difficult at the time because, you know, today with all the media communication that we have and the the the, the phones and the, the cell phones. But at the time, you know, as you were saying, you went to the post office to make a phone call. That's what we did then. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we didn't have all this things that we have today, the communication problem. It was, uh, okay, you had to go there and phone. I was staying there waiting for developments. And then the invasion took place. And then uh, I stayed in Germany. We tried to, through the embassy, to get the chance to come to Cyprus to, to fight. Because I had some sort of military training when I was at the school, when I was 16 or 17 years old. But the man there in the embassy said, are you crazy? There are no, there are no guns for you. There's nothing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot go anywhere. So we stayed there, I stayed there, and uh, following the developments there, and then with some other Greeks there, we used to, run around, collect um, medicines and money to send to Cyprus, to refugees and to the other people. And, and that, okay, this was the situation at that time. Famagusta was lost and uh, you did eventually come back to Cyprus. When did you start working for the Cyprus Tourism Organization? In uh, the 1st of May, 1976, before I was for a year at the Commonwealth uh, Secretariat in London, and I was a uh, uh, project officer in the, the office was in the um, Queen's mother's house, in the palace there. <laughs> I used to work there, <laughs> but my thoughts were always in Cyprus, so in 76, I decided to apply for a job at the Cyprus Tourism Organization. It was a time when everybody wanted to leave the island, young people, because it was very difficult. But I decided to go back when I wanted to, to do the work that I always wanted to do. I was, uh, okay, I studied economics in Germany, but I then my specialization was in Tourism management, so I decided to come back. And uh, since then, uh, uh, yeah, from 76 to 1990 was at the uh, Cyprus Tourism Organization. The Cyprus Tourism Organization is now called Visit Cyprus, but um, they are doing the same work like you did. You were also stationed in Frankfurt, if I remember well, right? Oh, yes, but it was very brief. It was only in Frankfurt. I was there for three months. But uh, because I was responsible mainly for um, the German-speaking countries, I I used to travel a lot to Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. And then I got involved in uh, other pan, pan-European tourist business, uh, and I was really uh, 
every weekend, I think I was in uh, in Zurich and in Brussels uh, for the uh, European Federation of Conference Towns. I was uh, elected president for four years. And then, uh, of course, this was meant that I, I had to be around all the time promoting uh, conference tourism throughout Europe to the European cities who are members of the Federation. Fantastic. Well, I came to Cyprus in 1982 for the first time, and I still believe that the 80s were the best tourism years for the island. Of course, after Famagusta, but in the new time, it was amazing, especially for the German-speaking countries, I think. We had so many people coming to Cyprus at the time. Yeah, it was... um... It was, you see, um, 76 to 1990, there were the difficult times. There were the times when we had to put Cyprus back onto the tourist map yeah, to convince people that uh, Cyprus is still an interesting place, a safe place to spend holidays with a lot of effort, fantasy, uh, small budgets. We managed to achieve that, and so the uh, tour operators, uh, not only Germany, Switzerland, Austria, but also from the UK, of course, started looking into Cyprus a little bit. Uh, you know, they were—I would say—it was the beginning of um, the development of uh, mass tourism. Although, even at that time early 80s, we didn't have the big tour operators to Cyprus, from England, for example. The island at that time, it was very much for the sort of uh, English tourists that they knew Cyprus from before. Um, they, 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 they used to, to come as individuals, so not as groups, etc., etc. So, uh, and that's why they used to stay in, in, in good hotels. Um, and they, they, they thought it was their island. And suddenly, with the developments in Central Europe, especially Germany, you had the people from Turoba, Tui, the, the Tui group, and then, of course, Neckerman, uh, started looking to Cyprus as an alternative to Mallorca. And there we had the developments um, with uh, more and more hotels being in, in investments in the, in the hotel industry. So we, yes, we reached um, fantastic numbers. If you compare it now with the uh, present situation, um, there were good numbers. From, uh, from Germany and Switzerland and Austria, which they were, um, uh, and, and these people, they were genuine tourists, you see. They were, they were not just arriving. Tour- good quality tourists. Yes, good quality tourists and genuine tourists, which, because nowadays, no, no, we are counting tourists in a different way, which it doesn't give you the, the true picture of the situation, because you have, a, you, you you don't have the the complete 
in the past, you, when you arrived to Cyprus, you had to fill in a form. Mm-hmm. And you were saying the purpose of your stay, where are you staying, for how long you are staying, and of course, your country of origin, etc., etc. So we knew every week, as I remember, uh, we had statistics, excellent statistics, because we were counting each tourist <laughs> one by one. We used to collect the cards from the police, and at the CTO, we were having the best statistics in the world in, 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 in tourism, because there was no other way to get to Cyprus. Uh, and now, with uh, the, all these developments, you have just have arrivals at the airport, and they they just make rough estimates uh, how many people um, are on this flight, for example, from the UK. But in in this in these numbers, you also have uh, Cypriots uh, from the UK. You have uh, a lot of people visiting friends and relatives. Um, you have um, students. You have. Uh, People working now, uh, coming back and forth all the time from Greece, and then they tell you that there are so many thousand tourists from Greece. Yeah. Whereas we don't have a single tourist from Greece now. <laughs> we just have realistic. arrivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so at that time, we had, that's why what you said is very, very correct. There were good tourists, uh, and and genuine tourists. There were people who were staying staying on the island for about another eight, ten days. Mm-hmm. And they age. were they were interested in the island, and they went they went on excursions, and they also didn't stay because personally, I believe that these all inclusive hotels have also done a lot of damage because a lot of tavernas had to close, a lot of restaurants didn't work anymore because the people didn't go out. These tourists used to go out to eat. They were interested in local food and lo- local people. You see, I I have um, a, an interview <laughs> from a German journalist who came to Cyprus. It was, I think, in 1918 or something like that. And I said to her, she, she, she said to me, you shouldn't make the mistakes that I did in Spain and in other countries. And you should keep the, these clients for your island because these people are not only interested in just uh, the beach and the science. They, they like your food. They like your culture. They enjoy every minute of the island. So stick to that. And um, and then I but I, from the numbers she said uh, that I see, I think you are going to do the make the same mistakes and to develop it as a mass tourism destination. And I said to her, listen, I think when if, if we get over half a million tourists, I will resign <laughs> <laughs> from my job. <laughs> because, you see, he, 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 but of course, things have changed a lot. You couldn't stop this Trend. Who could tell someone in Cyprus at that time, in the 80s, not to develop further tourism when they were seeing that they were, you know, it was uh, 
the only way out for the development of the Cyprus economy. It has not much to do with, uh, with agriculture and, and other industries. So uh, tourism, it was the, the only way out. Uh, so with the arrival of the big uh, tour operators from the UK, of course, we ended up having the problems that we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm not, I'm not happy with the tourists that we have today. I'm not happy. I was one of the first, although I was working for the biggest uh, tour operator, tour operating company in Cyprus, and we were representing these tour operators. But I, I was telling them I'm against this uh, uh, idea of developing the all-inclusive business and all these other things. Which, uh, and, and you know, when was the end of the story for me? How how horrible it was. Uh, uh, one of your colleagues, if I may call them colleagues of yours, because you were representing a tour operator, she was based in uh, in Limassol. In the I'm talking now in the 90s, okay? Yeah. She was in Limassol. She was based in Limassol uh, for, for uh, it was uh, two or three weeks in Cyprus. This woman from England. And and we were sitting together having dinner uh, at the hotel in Limassol, Poseidonia Hotel. And she she didn't know who that in Cyprus we have another currency. She was talking about drachma. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, and I I thought, but what sort of people are you sending us to here to work? They don't know where they are. That is crazy. That is crazy. And but you know yeah. that's that's the kind of tourists we have sometimes. People who come to Ayanapa, they don't know that they are in Cyprus. They just think that they are in Ayanapa. They think sometimes it's a country. Because we had the problem at the time when they were arriving at the uh, at the airport, go on the ta- on, on the plane, arrive at the destination, then calling back home to their parents or to their friends and say, I'm Cyprus, because they went to the airport, they wanted to go on a holiday abroad, they found a cheap flight last minute. It was the time when the last minute was really very, very cheap. Mm-hmm. You go on the plane and they tell you now, for 20 pounds or 10 pounds, you can fly now and spend a week, including your accommodation, in Cyprus or in Mallorca or in, in, in. So the people, they just went to the airport, they pick up the ticket, paid there, and uh, when they arrive at the destination, they call back home and say, I'm here. So it's so indifferent for them. Yeah. You know, they, it's not like the, the tourists that we used to have uh, where they were doing the sort of reading books and uh, listening to, uh, to to the radio and to the TV to find out about the destination they are going to visit, to learn the history of the country. Most of the German, the Swiss people, they are people, my goodness, they knew the history of the island before they arrived. And they better knew sometimes us. better than us. Yeah. You know, they yeah. knew a lot. <laughs> 
And then and when they come, they ask them questions that they, <clears throat> they, they discover, for example, that I remember one day I was sitting on the beach and then this man came across in front of us and was selling goobers. Goobers, you know, this. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and there were two German tourists. They stood up and they were, they walked there to this man and to see what they, he was selling. And they couldn't communicate. So I, I went there and I explained to them what it is because people, they were curious. They wanted to know, they wanted to learn, they wanted to know how we make coupes. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just taste, but all, all these things, which is part of the holiday uh, for certain people. Yeah. This adiaphory, uh, 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 this uh, uh, that that we have in uh, more by the, most of the tourists is uh, is it's really very bad. It's yeah. really very bad. Yeah, they're not nobody not being genuinely interested. Let's talk a little bit because we're we're already more than halfway through. But I want to know which is your favorite part of Cyprus. Where do you go and relax? You live in Nicosia, which is the capital, and it's inland. But where do you go to the beach? Well, um, I have a house in Protaras area, the area of Kornos there, which um, what we call it's our paradise. We build it the way we, the way we wanted to. It's, it looks like a, a, a Greek island uh, house in, in the nature with rocks around and the swimming pool is on the rocks. And, and, um, it's, uh, so it is, it's my place. And uh, my, uh, I, I have a, a small boat. I used to have a, a Trehandiria traditional um, uh, fishing boat, Greek fishing boat, big one, 12 meters. But uh, this was, of course, in the good old times when we were much younger and we could do things uh, much easier. Now it's a small boat and we go along the coast and enjoy swimming uh, away from the crowds. Lovely. <laughs> And for somebody who comes to Cyprus on holidays and who wants to, who is a good tourist, who is interested in seeing something and who wants to go on two or three excursions, where do they, should they go? Oh, now you see, it's very, it's, it's very interesting because in the recent years, we managed to highlight it, to promote certain areas and the type of tourism that I managed to get involved um, in the last um, 15 years is agro-tourism. So it's um, rural tourism and agro-tourism. It's now the thing for certain tourists to go on a and a bike and discover tour to go on a walk and discover uh, holiday uh, stay in agrotourism establishments in the villages walk down to the from the village down to a nearby 
beach or go there by by bicycle or by bus or by by car, whatever it is. And, and this is what are the for me the good tourists are doing these days. Uh, they in, uh, you see the the good tourist is not the the one um, which is rich. You don't have to be rich to be a quality tourist. Quality tourists are demanding tourists. Are the tourists that really want to discover, want to see places and experience, and experience the authentic things. More authenticity comes into the picture every day more and more people want to do this and these of course are not many they are not the, from the so many millions that we say that we have in cyprus and uh, i assume that about uh, 500,000 people are um, uh, are this type of tourists who want to uh, discover the island, enjoy the island, and uh, have certain experiences which are genuine and which are also traditional to Cyprus. Of course, Cyprus is not more what it used to be in the traditions, but still is... it's a good place to be on a holiday. It has a certain atmosphere which is difficult to describe. It's not as picturesque as the Greek island, but it has its own character. And for me, it's very important that uh, in Cyprus, uh, you, the tourist has access to everything without having any problem. For example, there are certain countries you go and they tell you don't go there, you cannot go there, it's very dangerous. Don't eat that, don't drink this. You have to be careful with the locals, etc. This we don't have in Cyprus. We have communication at all levels. People walk in the village, sit in the Cabernet and, and, and drink a coffee there or eat even something. Uh, have their breakfast in the Cafe Neon if they stay in a uh, uh, traditional house, uh, agro, agro-tourism house. So it, this is the life that many people like about Cyprus. And the fact that uh, people speak at least the English language so, mm-hmm. so they can communicate. But these days... You hear everywhere also people uh, speaking German and uh, French and other languages. Definitely. I think that Cyprus is a country. It's not just a Greek island. It's a a country with everything that that the tourist would need or the visitor would need. And if I can add something to that is one thing that I love about Cyprus is the Cyprus winter. We have the most beautiful light here in the winter. We have such a long autumn. It, it stays warm until the end of, of November. It really only starts getting a little cooler at the beginning of December. And the winters are mild and the color of the sky is so blue like nowhere else. 
You see, the, in Cyprus, we never advertise the the temperature of the of the sea in the winter. We always say the temperature of the air. But I happen to be the son of a, a doctor who used to be a swimmer all year round. My father used to to every day jogging in Famagusta along the beach every day, winter and summer, swim in the in the sea, and it was always at one o'clock. So that people who were living in um, in Famagusta on the beach, uh, when they saw my father running uh, along the coast at uh, the beach, they said, ah, it's one o'clock, Dr. <laughs> Mihail is there. So this, now what has to do with the temperature? It's it, it, because I am the only one who used to have the, the temperature of the water, of the seawater, throughout the, the year, because my father, when he was writing to me when I was in Germany, he was writing me a letter. And all news in the letter were from my mother. From, from my father were just a few words, uh, be careful, be healthy. Uh, I was today on the beach, sea temperature so, air temperature so, shower temperature so. <laughs> so he was going into the sea every day. He had the thermometer with him and he was measuring. So he was right. Now I look at all these letters of my father, which I have, and I know <laughs> that that in let's say in December uh, of ninety uh, of uh, sixty nine or seventy or sixty eight, <laughs> the temperature of the water is so so and so. <laughs> um, but you ne we never advertise that. I used to tell that, uh, the tour operators this information, and they were amazed. But. And nobody else uh, was telling. They were telling only about the air temperature. But yeah. as you very well said, the most important thing is that in in in, um, in the months of November, October, November, even December, the sea temperature is of course much higher than it is today. Today yeah. is about twenty. Yes. Today. I, I totally agree with your father because I swim all winter and the sea never really gets cold. We are getting to the end, George Michaelidis. I want to know from you, when will that book about Famagusta be finished? The book about Famagusta, I hope uh, before the end of this year. I'm doing a lot of research. I just discovered a good friend representing Turoba in Cyprus. Wolf Yaura, he lives now in Munich. He, uh, I was asking him last night to give me some more information about the the, the, the beginning of the tour operation in Famagusta in 1968 uh, from Turoba and 69, they signed the first agreement. So I am just collecting a lot of information uh, because I want to 
to give a colorful a sort of um, uh, it's not going to be a scientific uh, book. Uh, it's going to be a, a presentation of photos and documents of tourism in in, in Cyprus uh, and in in Famagusta. Sorry, but uh, now I decided to go back to the ancient times because the development of Famagusta it was. Uh, before it was Achinoi, Constantia, Salamis, Alasia, and all these things. So I, I tried to get as much information as possible also uh, about people who visited uh, Barosha before and uh, the, the old city of Famagusta in the Middle Ages and even in the ancient times in, in Salamis. And I think the first uh, cultural tourist uh, who came to Salamis was uh, Apostle pa- pa- Paulus. Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul. Paul was the first cultural tourist uh, who came to Salamis to start the um, the pilgrimage. You know the no, no the to spread Christianity. Yeah, yeah. To spread Christianity and to with Barnabas, he was with Barnabas, and Barnabas became the the founder of the Church of Cyprus. We are looking forward to this book, George Michaelidis, and I want to thank you so much for being on my podcast episode on Most Memorable Journeys today. Thank you so much. I thank you. I thank you for giving me this opportunity and to, of course, to communicate with you again uh, after so many years. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.